Hello and welcome to episode 164 of the Startcast, Press Start Australia's weekly video game discussion podcast. I'm your host, Ewan Roxburgh, and I'm joined today by my fellow gamers, Matt. What's up, yo? And Stephen. Howdy, y'all. That's one of the most energetic welcomes I think we've ever got from Matt. That was, <laughs> that was delightful. Uh, clearly, you're excited about things, I, which we're going to be talking about later, I guess. I woke up on a good side of the bed this morning, so that, yeah. That's good. That's what yeah. I like to hear. Yeah. Was it any particular reason? You just kind no, of just, you just I, got out no, of bed? No, literally, like, oh, it was okay. one of those days where you just like, you wake up and you're doing stuff, you know, you know what, we're in a good mood today, so let's not, uh, let's not question it, let's keep going with it, so yeah. Nice, okay, hopefully some of the more somber news we got to talk about today doesn't uh, <laughs> drop the, drop that mood for you. Right. Uh, yeah. And Stephen, it's been a while since we've had you on the show, um, yeah. James has been telling us that uh, he's been kind of coaching you through Resident Evil 2, is that right? Yes, uh, yeah, coaching as i've been trying to avoid just asking james at every every junction what do i do here what do i do here but he's he's a very useful friend to have specifically around resident evil games i'll say (laughs) yeah we were we were joking last week um that i think he was telling us he'd finished his like 10th playthrough or something stupid um and we reckon he could like kind of guide me through it blindfolded like just uh which would be nice actually i wouldn't have to worry about any of the jump scares um but i just <laughs> I just, like, I just imagine he just like, walks me through it <laughs> i imagine you sitting there playing and he, he just like sniffs all of a sudden and goes you're going the wrong way yeah, <laughs> yeah. he can smell <laughs> like, the direction how did, how did you know i can smell it on you <laughs> yeah yeah he's uh he's crazy he's been playing so much of that game but ever have, uh, have you been enjoying it steven i have um yeah so i've encountered certain parts that have just made me uh I, I still I have a weird relationship with horror games. I did the same thing with RE Seven. Like I'll I'll hit a certain point and there'll be it, it's not a spoiler to say Mister X. Everyone knows what Mister X is, and yeah. if you don't, then we've seen the memes. Don't spoil now. yourself. Yeah, basically, and it's like the concept of this creature that follows me around. There's not really any safe places. It's like it's slow and lumbering, so you can kind of maneuver around, but like it just adds this extra level of tension on top of it's already mm. kind of a, you know, you're worried about, you know, there'll be a liquor in this room if you didn't deal with it last time, or I don't know you come back and there's something you didn't expect. There's also a big giant thing just chasing you around slowly at all times. It's just, uh, it becomes a little bit much, but then I get over it and I love the game eventually. <laughs> <laughs> I would say yeah. that Mr. X thing like kind of creeps me out. I, I watched the memes and they were funny, but at the same time, I got like massive kind of like Terminator vibes from it because the yes. fact that you just keep doing stuff and you're like, you basically cannot stop him. And it's just like, this dude is creepy. Yeah. From what I can gather, you can like stumble him, but that's about it. I, I did notice if you shoot him, you can shoot his hat off and you get a trophy for it. And I thought <laughs> I was very inventive for doing that. <laughs> that's uh, an interesting idea for a horror game you got there, Matt, though, like a Terminator sort of inspired horror game. I could, yeah, uh, like, could be on the, I'll be down for yeah. that. Go, go the first one. I mean, the second, you know, if you go any any of the other incarnations, maybe not. But, yeah, the fir- if you, like, did sort of first movie kind of thing, yeah. Yeah, cool. yeah. I've uh, I've not had the chance to play any Resident Evil 2 yet because I'm kind of addicted to a new, uh, a new Battle Royale game. But we're going to talk about that in a sec. I want to first ask you, Matt, because uh, you've been busy playing a ton of games for review, um, one of which is now... Um, well, as of as of you listening to this, um, both will be published. But uh, the one you published first was God Eater Three, right? Yeah, four, yeah. three, yes, three, three. Getting the numbers all mixed up. Yeah. Uh, uh, that, what'd you make of the game? That one, um, 
like I'm I'm no stranger to like you know JRPGs or hack and slash RPGs or whatever. Mm. Um, I think like for a while that was all I was reviewing until I started getting the bigger titles every now and then. <laughs> um, we all have that which, time. <laughs> you know, it's okay. Like you know, I'm not going to complain. I get to play games and I get to either you know like them or judge them harshly. So, um, <laughs> no. In in the end, like uh, you know, it's interesting. Because it's not a series that I'd ever played. I'd read about it, I heard about it, but I'd never played it. And you know, kind of getting into a series like that, where you know you're you're new to the series, um, mm. it's interesting to read up on it uh, about it. You know, like how it was basically the first one was on the PSP, and then the second installment was on the Vita. So this is the first time it's on you know console. That's um, right. And and so like it wasn't you know like uh, you kind of you kind of go in with mixed expectations. Like I I. You, know, you you load up the game and there's this sort of you know what is it AMV at the start animated music video um, most you know, JRPGs have um, yeah okay this is going to be over the top wacky crazy you know story um, and you get into it and it's a little bit cliched but like the gameplay in general is actually a lot of fun mm-hmm. um, you know it's it's basically like I didn't want to use this phrase in the review but it was basically like monster hunter light so you know it's like monster hunter but without all the insane tracking and item crafting and you know collecting and stuff it's basically like you know you go in you hunt down the things you've got you know a squad of uh people that help you out and Mm -hmm. you take down the you know the aragami which is the the enemies in that um and yeah, basically, like I, I had fun with it, so I ended up giving it a seven. I was on a teetering on the edge between a six or a seven because there's some things that made it a lot more fun than you know usual, but there are a lot of frustrations as well. Like my biggest gripe with the game wasn't actually like you know the sort of like the in battle modes or anything. It was the fact mm-hmm. that when you're in a home base, you have to hold R one to run around. Otherwise, your character literally basically is shuffling at like snail's pace. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm sitting there going, like, I, I started playing at the start and I'm going, okay, surely the character's going to start running. No, the character does not run unless you hold that button when you're in the home base. So basically, if you get to the home base and you have to talk to, like, five different people and you have to go and find them and you forget to hold the run button, it's going to take you about half an hour to get to each individual character because the character walks that slow. That's painful. <laughs> so, yeah. So that was one of the biggest gripes. And, like, if that's a gripe, then the rest of the game is usually okay. So Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. I, remember, I remember how, like, um, people complaining about some sort of thing with Anthem in the, the sort of, like, I forget what, Fort Tarsus, I think it is, the sort of, like, tower sort of um, central location. The, the movement speed was really kind of difficult there. Um, and it's painful. Like, when you're trying to kind of get through tasks and stuff, as you so often are in these kind of games, like, it's a bit tedious. I, yes. I know people, like, leveled a similar sort of frustration with um, uh, Red Dead Redemption because, like, the, the kind of movement with, like, the horse and there not being any sort of element of fast travel and stuff, just getting between A and B can be a bit tedious at times. Yeah. How did it compare to the second game you reviewed uh, this week then, which was Far Cry New Dawn? Uh, well, New Dawn basically leaves it in the dust. I mean, <laughs> I, I've, you know, I've gone to work and been thinking about New Dawn and then getting home and getting into it. I mean, like mm. I've taken breaks on New Dawn to get into Apex, which we can talk about, you know, after, yeah. um, but, uh, but New Dawn is, it's so much fun. Like it's, it's the kind of game that you can get in and, 
you know, just wander around and do things. And you do things that are actually meaningful to the game as well. Like you're not, it's not kind of mm. like GTA where you just walk around and shoot people or whatever. When you get into this game, you walk around or you drive around or you get in a helicopter, fly around and, you know, you can go animal hunting and, you know, find sort of like, you know, uh, animal hides that you can trade in for resources. You can, you know, uh, track down locations and, you know, get all the resources that are there. You can find the, like, the prepper stashes that were left behind. Um, cause, because, like, you know, for, for those who sort of haven't kept up with it, it's basically Far Cry 5 at the end of it, uh, spoiler alert, uh, nuclear bombs go off and, you know, the world's changed and this is 17 years after Far Cry 5 mm. uh, and basically it's the same Hope County except you know heaps of things have changed so like you know the environment's different and um, you know like uh, buildings are being destroyed and locations are you know, sort of built up and changed and you're uh, the head of security who was brought in to help build Prosperity which is the new human settlement uh, which is being attacked by uh, the twins, Mickey and Lou, who run the highwaymen. Mm. Um, and so basically, yeah, you, you know, your job is to, you know, in the same vein as Far Cry 5 was, you had to stop Eden, you know, uh, Eden's Gate, I think yeah. it was. Yeah. yeah. You, um, you had to stop Eden's Gate. Your job now is to stop the highwaymen. So you've got to like, you know, you can intercept uh, trucks that are carrying prisoners um, and save them. You can intercept ethanol trucks, which ethanol is what you use to uh, upgrade your base and, you know, uh, upgrade certain things. So you can, uh, you know, intercept those trucks. Um, you can intercept supply drops as well. Um, and, yeah, basically just wander this... Uh, it's it's actually quite a beautiful wilderness because they've used a new technique yeah. called the Super Bloom um, which is basically a, a not a radiation affected. It don't you know don't think that it's anything like Fallout. You know, it, if anything, it's basically the opposite of Fallout. Um, but it's like a you know a radiation ignited bloom where everything is just like you know ultra. It's like after the nuclear winter, like nature sort of like springs yeah. back. Na- nature's come back and it's taken hold and it's cult. you know it's it's evolved almost. Mm. Um, and so, yeah, yeah that was it's... one of the things that struck me when I played it for preview. It's just like how kind of colorful it is. And, uh, and you mentioned as well, like having an impact on the world, like everything you do kind of does feel like it impacts the world in like some way, big or small. Yeah. Have you, yeah. Have you had much experience with the Far Cry games before, Steven? Um, not a huge amount. I've played a fair bit of, gosh, the early Fallout games, Fallout, Fall, and we talk Fallout Far Cry. I'm getting very confused. Um, Far <laughs> it's Cry. Getting confusing, huh? <laughs> yeah, a little bit. I've been. I did play a fair bit of the original Far Cry, but that's a very. It's a Far Cry for modern Far Cry. <laughs> um, and I played a little bit of two, a fair bit of three, but I've never finished a Far Cry game, and I'm, yeah. yeah, totally off the. Off that the can cart for the recent ones. Finishing one. Yeah. Yeah, they're they're massive. They're they're good fun, but I. They're never quite enough to keep me on board the entire way through for whatever reason, but they're fun while I play them. I get that, yeah. Um, ah, Matt, the villains. I was going to ask you about them. What did you What did you make of them? So Mickey and Lou, um, you know, like Far Cry 5, you had the, the Eden's Gate cultists, which were, you know, very intense. Um, and also, like, they were kind of unique because it's not something you've really seen in a game before. Um, Mickey and Lou... At, at first, you think they're just, you know, like evil little brats. But as as you play through the game, I feel like you kind of understand why they're doing what they're doing. Like, it's, it's a power trip and everything, you know, at mm. the end of the day. But at the same time, like, 
I think that's the best thing about the Far Cry series is the villains are always very humanized. You know, they're not they're not just super villains for the sake of super villains. Well, they they kind of um, like believe what they're doing is the right way to go about things. Yeah, right? like, like even even from the get go, you know, they turn around and they say that they're trying to build the world. You know, it's in their image, so mm-hmm. of course it's a it's a you know, disagreeable thing because people aren't going to want to you know build the world in their image, but mm. that's what they think is right. That's what they're doing. You know, um, so yeah, like I I. I like them. They've got sass, um, you know, and I, I think they're they're quite entertaining. Um, yeah. Especially when you, if you liberate an outpost or if you you know uh, finish a mission that impacts them, uh, you'll hear them over the you know over the walkie talkies, mm. uh, and they're basically like you know they'll either have digs at you or they threaten you or whatever. Um, but yeah, no, I think I think it, you know it's a it's a shift from sort of you know Joseph Seed and everything in Far mm. Cry Five. So. Yeah, yeah, I'm excited to to get my hands on it. I don't know if it offers a lot, kind of, to people that maybe aren't Far Cry fans, but I think for Far Cry fans, there is a, a lot to enjoy, and there's enough sort of changed from the previous ones to to kind of feel like a fresh experience. I don't know if you agree with that, Matt, but that was no, like, I, I would, I'd, I'd, I I'd agree it. with it, but it, there's enough there's enough familiar familiarity for mm. Far Cry fans, but there's also enough to get new players in and interested. So yeah. yeah. All right, to change tack completely then, uh, there was some pretty sad news that was sort of breaking as of this morning, uh, as of where I was recording. Um, it's been rumored for a couple of days now, uh, but it was uh, announced this morning that um, Activision uh, is laying off uh, approximately 8% of their staff, which works out to be about 800 employees uh, from non-development departments. I think it was mainly from sort of like esports divisions and publishing divisions. Um, in a press release to investors, Activision CEO uh, Bobby Kotick wrote, whilst our financial results for 2018 were the best in our history, we didn't realize our full potential. Um, obviously quite sad news, Stephen, and from all of us at Press Start, we uh, wish the very best to all those affected. Um, did this come as a surprise to you, Stephen? Do you think it's kind of very fair what's happened here? It's, it's infuriating. Like, you can, how can you have a record year but also be like, oh, it wasn't quite as good as we hoped it would be, but like... I don't know. It just, I struggle to get my mind around the concept of $2.4 billion in revenue being Mm. like disappointing in any way, shape or form. And like, I don't know, when you look a little bit deeper into it, you see, you know, people like the, you know, Bobby Kotick, who you talked about, you know, he's not exactly going to be, you know, he missed the uh, expectations, but he's not losing his job over it. It's the 800 people below, you know, him that are going to have to, I mean, if some, if some reports it's to be believed, he was still getting a pretty substantial uh, bonus, I think, wasn't he? Yeah, I think, um, oh, I'm not quite sure the numbers. I know that like recently they hired a new, I think, CFO who got sort of the equivalent of $15 million as a like sign-on bonus. That was only in January. Yeah. It's like, man, how many people's salaries could that have been if, I don't mm. know, just all these people that are just so unfathomably rich just someone, kind someone of, did the maths oh, it bothers on me. That. They basically said that the fifteen million uh, that they signed on for the new guy um, was at eighty thousand. At eighty thousand a year, it was something like two hundred no two thousand two hundred and fifty people, or right. uh, you know at two hundred and twenty five k a year, it was the eight hundred people. So basically, they broke it down, and you know they could have hired 
three times as many people with that $15 million bonus that they gave to that guy. Right. It's... So, um, yeah, I... <laughs> I know you got pretty fired up about it, Matt. I saw you I, on Twitter. I, no, I, I did get fired up about it. Um, I, I think that... Um, look, this is, this is going to sound really cruel, and I understand why they said what they said, because basically they're trying to appe- appease the shareholders you know, mm. um, and whatever. And apparently this year is going to be a quiet, you know, launch year for them or release year. Um, and at the end of the day, they're trying to, you know, save themselves from losing that, that you know, that profit that they've made. Mm-hmm. Um, but basically, it's a term that I've used too often, you know, in, in sort of my working life. It's they've cut off the legs to save the head. Um, mm-hmm. like you, you seriously can't turn around and say you've had your best year ever, but we're going to cut these people because, you know, reasons. Yeah. Um, it, the- it reeks like it reeks of a typical, you know, shareholder appeasing business crap. And the fact that they turned around and said, we had a good year, but we could have had a better year, um, really goes to show how out of touch they are with their own consumer market. Um, you know, like I, I saw a lot of people having digs about that whole, you know, oh, you know, people love mobile, don't you people love mobile games? Um, which I think is hilarious against the company, but not hilarious against the people who've just lost their jobs. Yeah. Mm. So, I think just the worst part for me is the, the, dis- the fact that they can call it a disappointment, but the people who make the decisions to get us to this point aren't the ones that have to suffer for the results of those decisions. Yeah, like, yeah. I just can't reconcile that. It, it's, Ah, oh, it's infuriating. <laughs> and I mean, I don't think a a lot went wrong. Um, and I saw some some commentary this morning that was kind of suggesting that that Fortnite sort of had this impact across the industry as a whole, like in, in terms of taking a chunk out of everyone's revenue. I don't know if I agree with that sentiment. Um, I think it's probably been a, a more a, like a bigger variety of factors that sort of influenced maybe um, revenues falling below expectations. Um, but it kind of just like opens up this whole sort of complicated issue just around kind of the business world more broadly i guess like it's easy to forget that behind sort of the games that we love and the developers that made them there are these big businesses uh with very sort of corporate structures that exist to make money and exist to make make their shareholders money um with little kind of other purpose really i know that i know like the developers obviously that are working there um everyone working there wants to to kind of output this art and create these great games that people enjoy um but there are certainly elements within the company um rather powerful elements that are just kind of interested in that bottom line um i think it's sort of like an inescapable fact i feel yeah it might feel like a kind of a too romantic notion to think that you know, they that companies exist uh, because they want to make you know great games or something. It it almost yeah. feels like the company, as you said, the companies exist to make money, and you know they're uh, attaining uh, growth at really any cost. But mm. it almost feels like the making of games are just kind of a a side effect, a means to an end. Like it's just this is the way that they found they could yeah. make money, and it's like that. I don't know, it just bothers me. It- 50, 50 years ago, I feel like if you had to turn around and said, oh, you know, they're making it out of the passion of making it, then I would have agreed. But we know that capitalism is an inherent evil um, and it's basically <laughs> taken hold of everything. Uh, you know, 
romanticizing it is great to do, but at the end of the day, you know, if you don't fit into a giant pu- corporate puzzle, um, you know, then you're you're basically out on your ass, which is what's happened here. Um, yeah. And I abs like I absolutely hate it. I was I was like I you know logged on to Twitter, um, and no, it didn't ruin my like it didn't ruin my upbeat attitude that I woke up with this morning, but it did make me angry. Yeah, you gotta say um, impressive if you can keep your positive demeanor after that. <laughs> and well, you know, like I. Uh, Basically, I thought, well, I'm still lucky that I have a job personally. You know, like that's mm. that's the um, that's the biggest upside that I have. Um, but the thing the thing that infuriates me the most is, and I, I pitched this question to uh, one of the, the there's a indie dev that I follow um, who you know made a comment about 800 jobs or whatever, and I said to him, you know, like because there's this whole debate about you know like the the games industry unionizing to try and you know, mm. save themselves and everything. Mm. Um, and I, I, I turned around and said, I like, I agree that they have to unionize to a degree to try and get themselves better benefits and to stop this from happening. But how do you go about punishing the company as a consumer? How do you go about punishing a company for making a decision like that when the only way you can really punish them is by not buying their products, which in turn would then lead to more job losses? Yeah, like, it, you can you can be extremely vocal against that company, but at the end of the day, you either got to give them the money to save the other people who work there, or you don't give them the money and they cut more jobs. Yeah, it's, I feel it's like a, we... it's a cruel cycle of capitalism. So, yeah, I don't think there's any sort of like easy solution to this. And and what I was trying to say um, without supporting it uh, necessarily is that it, it's not an issue that affects just the video game world. Like this is something we see right across. I, I guess capitalism um, in that the businesses exist to make money. And often that, uh, that is the sort of overriding goal over people's income and people's welfare. Um, so yeah, I think it's like just kind of a, a bigger sort of societal issue we maybe have to grapple with. And it's, I can't imagine anyone's going to find a way around it anytime soon, as as bleak as that might sound. I mean, to the best of my knowledge, none of us on the show today are like politics or economics no. students or yeah. professors or anything. So there's only so much depth we can go into. But like, I don't know, just when, I, when you're talking about, you know, how can we make different purchasing decisions to, uh-huh. to do this? It's like, I don't know, because... There's no way you can't buy something. There's no ethical consumption under capitalism, I guess. There's a reason that's a saying that exists. You can't buy something without somebody having, I don't know, having been, had an unfortunate circumstance to that, for that to have come about in a lot of cases. It's, mm, I don't yeah. know. It, it's hard, man. It is, yeah. I think, I, I like to think we're sort of doing the right thing by kind of vocalizing our disappointment. Um, there's been some people out there on I, on Twitter, I saw it, um, reaching out to those affected and uh, reminding them of uh, job job postings at Sony Santa Monica or places like that. Um, hmm. I think uh, Mitch Dyer um, works to collate a list of all sort of like job vacancies across the industry at the moment. So um, I would encourage people to sort of look out for those kind of things. But At the end, at the end yeah. of the day, you just turn around and say, look, uh, to all the, the all the people who've lost their jobs, I'm sorry to hear it. Mm. Um, to Bobby Kotick, head of Activision, you can do better, pal. 
Yeah. Wow, that yeah. was very controlled after- and not as uh, expletive filled as I was expecting. <laughs> <laughs> well, look, I, I could I could go on I could go on to like you know fill it with expletives and everything, but that serves no purpose other than potentially someone up there listening to the podcast and then cutting ties with us. So mm. you know the Gosh, last well thing I need out. is to you know there's there's no point in building bad blood. It's just turning around and no. going the decisions you guys are making are inherently wrong. And, you know, you need to see a better light in terms of how you operate. So. Yeah. We just sort of all need to look after each other a bit better, perhaps. That could be applied to so many things. Yeah, uh, gosh. <laughs> what speaking of looking after your own, you should really learn to look after your squad in Apex Legends, <laughs> uh, which is a game I've thoroughly been enjoying. Uh, Matt, I know you've been playing a bit as well. We're, we're two of the 25 million players that have already joined up into the game. Uh, they've announced as well uh, in the last couple of days that they're going to be doing some seasonal sort of content, very much in the same sort of vein that Fortnite players will be used to. Um, they've uh, announced four seasons, second place in 2019. It's going to have a battle pass in each uh, with new legends, new weapons, and brand new loot. Uh, Matt, first to you. Uh, you've been playing a bit of the game, as have I. What are your thoughts on it? Uh, I absolutely love it. It um, it takes elements of everything that I've kind of wanting, you know, like I've been playing and combines them together. And I think it's amazing. Yeah. Um, 100%. Like I, I picked up, uh, you know, Black Ops 4 because I wanted a shooter. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that was, you know, it's fast-paced and, you know, kind of fun. Uh, I've been playing a lot of Fortnite because I like the squad-based, you know, uh, circle-based sort of Battle Royale style, um, you know, which is also a lot of fun. Uh, and basically, like, it takes the elements from those two games and, you know, smushes them together. But then it adds this extra layer of, uh, you know, like... Rather than just being a battle royale where it's, hey, the last one standing wins, uh, there's so many more variables. So, like, you know, you've got your weapon upgrades, you've got your shields, you've got, you know, all the equipment you can you can carry um, tactically as well. And then you've got the fact that you can revive, you know, your, your squad mates. You can go and collect their, their banner or you can pick them up and everything. And I think that's, like, that's a huge game changer because it's not something we've seen in a battle royale game, you know, I don't think ever. Yeah. Um, and the fact that, yeah, the fact that you can basically like, you know, your, your squad could be down and out and then you can just revive them and go on to win a game with a full squad. Like, yeah. that's, that's awesome. We, we did this um, the other day. Like, um, my, uh, my squad got wiped. I was the only one to sort of uh, stay up. Uh, and I had like no, next to no guns. I went like full kind of stealth mode um, and just kind of like slid behind crates and stuff. Eventually, like managed to get to their banners and reclaim those. Uh, then I revived them, like brought them back into the game. They land in, we arm up and we go chase after the guys that killed them and wipe out their whole squad. It was like such a good sort of revenge story. Um, it was so satisfying. And I love that. I love, sort of love that mechanic. Uh, like you said, it sort of seems to like have taken everything that the Battle Royale sort of games have been doing uh and build upon those add their own sort of quirks um uh it just kind of feels like it's sort of really honed and refined um i love the sort of communication skill like abilities as well that you can ping stuff and alert people to different like pieces of loot you find Um, i'd like to know a little bit more about that communication stuff because one of the biggest things i've been hearing on just the internet in general i guess Mm. is that how friendly it is for people who don't necessarily want to go on voice chat like it seems like you can do a lot without needing to do that and like that sounds kind of like the dream you can you can basically like 
not only can you ping items or ping directions or tell people there's enemies there or there's enemies nearby or whatever, um, but you can also like you know if you guys are holed up in a in a house or whatever, and you know you want to say hey I'm I'm checking out this area or I'm I'm looking over here. There's literally like you hold the the communication button and you can pick what you want to say. Like it's the the options are amazing. Like I know that you know games like Fortnite and stuff have that in them. But it's buried deep in in other be- you know button presses. They're not so, like, very you good press in Fortnite the from memory. Stuff, whereas, you know, like the the whole thing about uh, you know Apex is you tap the R one button and it says we're going over here, or you know let's go over here. There might be something good over here. You can aim it at like you know the add on, and it basically pings it and says is this item level whatever you know, or it's this item over here. Um, yeah, it's, it's just fantastic. Like, yeah. It's so intuitive. Yeah. Um, and yeah, like to your point, Stephen. Um, for the first couple of hours I played of it, I was just I didn't have my squ- my usual squad. I was just kind of jumping into um, matches with random people online. Um, and I tend not to use my headset and mic when I'm when I don't know the people. It's kind of makes me a bit uncomfortable. Um, yeah, so I, feel I was that. just relying on those uh, those commands. Um, and it's so intuitive. Like you can like you tap R one basically to create a waypoint, as Matt was saying. Double tapping it allows you to kind of mark an enemy um so it doesn't it like doesn't necessarily mark specifically the enemy themselves but it the general sort of area that you spotted them in it's like a okay. line of sight sort of mechanic that um, sounds is it any more because i know one of the biggest pain points in Fortnite was like uh-huh. i'll say there's an enemy at you know 220 degrees and like, but that's relative to me if someone's like a little way yes. on my left 220 for them is different it's like yeah, usually like we it, work it, it out but is it, this better it marks it on the the mini map um like yeah, it's, oh okay it like works according incredible to everyone's location yeah, yeah it's, it's good yeah. um and then if you hold it down there's like a whole scroll wheel that you can like select specific sort of things you want to say but even even more so than that like if you're i don't know if you notice this matt if you open up your inventory and like say you hover over your weapon and you've got like a missing inventory slot or something like a, a missing attachment slot or you're in need of more ammo or something there's button commands over those items to request certain things so if you're like not having a mic but you need particular like ammo of a particular type or you need like um a stock of a particular type for a gun or whatever you can request all of that through the inventory system like there's literally nothing you would need to say verbally with like a mic that you can't like use the game's own systems to communicate i actually which is amazing seen that but now i want to go and play with it and see it is yeah the funniest thing the funniest thing that I was doing was um, we were dropping in a squad the other night, and the three of us, and we kept tagging places on the map which you know where we were thinking of dropping. Uh-huh. And um, you know, like you you just tap R one to say yes, we'll go there. But uh, if you hold the, the button, it opens the scroll wheel, and you can say you can't or no. And basically, like as a joke, I kept saying no to where we want, <laughs> where they wanted to drop. But everyone was going, how are you doing that? Like, how are you? Ah, I didn't how think are I you do that. Yeah. That's cool. So basically, yeah, if, if someone puts a, a spot on the map, says, let's go here, and you aim your, your reticle at, you know, their marker and then hold it down, you can actually say no or we can't or whatever. Yeah. So It, sound, it yeah. sounds complicated kind of explaining like this, but it is remarkably intuitive. Um but yeah, besides the communication, I just sort of love the game's pace. Uh, I found with like Fortnite, it can be a little slow, kind of loading into matches and then sort of finding enemies and stuff to engage with. Uh, like it just kind of feels like you move about the map a bit slower. Um, but in this, it sort of like has 
it, it, it not obviously not the pace of a Titanfall, but certainly reminiscent of it. Um, and you're getting in and out of matches, I feel, so much quicker as well. Like, I, I don't have a bad word to say about it, honestly. It is really, really good. Um, Plus the class system. The class system yeah. is so good too. I mean, like yeah. the fact that you've got such a wide variety. Like, you know, you start with all, you start with six classes and there's two unlockables. Mm. Um, but they're all different and they all play differently and they're all really useful. Like they've all got useful sort of function. Yeah, you um, could really argue over which is the best one. It's kind of very much uh, in the way that like Overwatch's heroes are so sort of well balanced. In terms I feel. of in terms of playability, like yeah, that's a big debate. But in terms of just general character, it's definitely Pathfinder. <laughs> See, I'm a massive Lifeline fan, but then also Bloodhound. Bloodhound is it? It's also very, very useful. I, you see what it, like, I don't know. They're u- they're Steven, useful, you gotta, I mean, you gotta yeah, jump on yeah, those, just, man. Just carry Clearly. <laughs> have we, do, have we been able to convince you at all? Like, what's... I mean, it was already on my to-do list. Yeah. Uh, I think I will start the download. I'll have to find out where my friends are playing or does it actually, can you play, like, can you have the same account across different platforms? Cause that would be so, extremely cool. I'm yet to suss this. I don't okay. think it's cross progress beyond like the console to pc sort of thing so i think you can oh, log into your i guess your origin ea sort of account or whatever and it and it carries progress across like from for instance like pc to playstation sorry playstation to pc but yeah not between consoles i don't think okay because i feel mm. like i'd i'd probably start playing on ps4 but then if anyone's gonna play it with me that's not you guys it'll be james and he'll want to play on xbox and then yeah. i'll lose everything yeah Ugh. I'll work out well, where I'm playing and then take Sony it from We need Sony to really clear up the messaging on that. <laughs> yes, the we only, do. The only, uh, the only outcome here is, James, get on PS4, you slack. I can't imagine that's going to happen anytime <laughs> soon. Uh, anyhow, I think it's time for what the wiki, a reminder of what the wiki is, the StarCast game show, uh, where the host reads a part of a Wikipedia page for an unknown game and you, the contestants, must guess the game. Um, as I took home the points last week... Um, I will be hosting this one. Thanks to the official What the Wiki Keeper of the Squad, Jimmy Penning on Twitter. We have a recap of what went down. Uh, James was uh, in control, taking over the What the Wiki hot seat after Brody's recent overseas trip. He was a little worse for wear coming to the game, while Ewan was firing on all cylinders. I like this praise very much. Ewan stormed through to claim the point, and it was his first point of the season, which means that Brody, Ewan, and James are all on a point each. So uh, the new rule, guys. Are you, are you guys familiar with this new rule? I have. Yep. I've I've listened. I'm familiar. It's great. Yeah, it's uh, it's certainly keeping it uh, quite close the the competition at the moment. It helps that last week James had picked like all third person over the shoulder action adventure <laughs> games with the RPG elements. Was that like, on purpose? My... <laughs> um, I think it's up for debate. He he. I think he w- was convinced that Brody was going to be able to get some of them. So I think he was just trying to make a balanced fight, but it definitely went my way. <laughs> uh, and uh, I'm glad to see that Jamie is a fan of the new rule as well. Uh, and he's also submitted uh, the first game of the week, which I'll read for you in a second. Reminder that uh, if you want to suggest a game for What the Wiki, you can just by uh, mailing the winner. Um, so it'll be either, either Matt or Steven this week. And if you uh, drop them a note on Twitter... I'm uh, sure they can read your game for you when they're doing the the hosting next week. Let's find Sounds out good. who that will be. Contestants, are you ready? Ready. Yeah. The game is a real-time strategy video game developed exclusively for the Xbox 360 console in which players command armies from a bird's-eye view of the battlefield. The game focuses on military combat but contains streamlined resource management and base construction elements. It was designed Steven? with Steven? 
Halo Wars. It is Halo Wars. Well done. Oh, hooray. Are there any other oh. RTS games that are exclusive for the 360? I don't know. That might have I been the thing. I, I, think like, I, I was thinking there was, I think there was like Supreme Commander, but that wasn't exclusive. Right. Uh, I was sitting there going, was there ever an Age of Empires on Xbox? <laughs> <laughs> well, Age of Empires was a Microsoft Studios developed game, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, I, I don't I, think they I ever put it on console. I guess if they were to come console, to a console, though. I guess it would be. I don't know. I don't know. If, I don't think it ever did come to console. No. Um, but uh, Jamie recommended that game for this week, as it is the game's ten year anniversary. Oh dang! I still yeah. have. I've I probably bought it ten years ago, and I've played like three missions. So yeah, whoops. Time time flies. <laughs> Maybe, maybe when you're having fun playing other games, say, Steven. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, all right, Matt, it is the best to, best of three, so you need to get the next two to take home the points. The pressure is on. The game is a third-person action-adventure title set in an open world in which the player uses a combination of stealth, parkour, and combat to complete various missions. The player takes the role of three characters during the course of the game. The main character is Desmond Miles, working to undercover Matt. the secret... Matt? <laughs> oh, Desmond Miles, shit. It's... Uh, is it Assassin's Creed 2? It is not Assassin's Creed 2, no. Stephen, there's a big Stephen. paragraph. You want to guess it now? Is yep. it Assassin's Creed 3? It is Assassin's Creed 3, Stephen. Well done. <laughs> Any idea why ah. that was in the news this week? Oh, I know that there's been like rumors up and down about it coming to Switch or getting remastered or something. It's been yeah. all over the place. So that was my only guess. Yeah, it looks like uh, it might be coming to Switch. Hooray! Hopefully, yeah, the, well, well, yeah, well, yeah good point. Assassin's Creed game. Is Give me four, Creed actually. Game. That's the only one that I've. I enjoyed two. I enjoyed four, and the rest I just kind of fell off the boat for. Yeah, two and four are like the two. St- I mean, obviously, like Origins and Odyssey sort of need the time to I guess be given the sort of classic status, but. Yeah, two and two and four are awesome. Um, the last I played, the last I played and actually cared about was Brotherhood. So, oh really? Oh okay. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, yeah. Well done, Stephen. You are uh, you up for the hosting duties next week? Okie dokie, can do. Sounds good. Uh, and with that, let's bring it into what was episode 164 of the Startcast. Subscribe to us on Podcast One, iTunes, or any other podcast service of your choice. Follow us at press.au and visit the site, of course, at press.com.au. You can join the conversation using hashtag the Startcast. Uh, and uh, yeah, send us your uh, What the Wiki recommendations if you got them. Uh, we've been joined today by Stephen. Yeah, uh, you can find me on all the things at Stephen Impson. Uh, find me on Instagram. I post photos of cats that I find in the street, and they're lovely. <laughs> they're so pretty. <laughs> Wholesome content. Uh, we've also been joined today by Matt. You can follow me at uh, MVZamari on Twitter or MatthewVZ on Instagram. Um, I swear I'm getting to my Montreal stuff, which was conveniently taken in uh, November of last year when I got flown over to see Far Cry New Dawn. Yeah. So, yeah. And then you can also synchronicity my review. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah, I was gonna say go go check out Matt's reviews over on the website for both God Eater Three and Far Cry New Dawn. Uh, I have been your host, Ewan Roxborough. You can follow me on Twitter uh, and Instagram at Ewan underscore Roxborough. Uh, and until next time, happy gaming. See ya. Ciao.